Cyrano de Bergerac in Space is a five-part all-audio radio play. While there is some language used, it is intended for all audiences. This episode of Cyrano de Bergerac in Space is sponsored by The Icon Group, Studio Dubois Incorporated, Jonathan Safford, Jonathan Safford, Voice of Christian, available for voice acting work, commercials, audiobooks, narration, and more. Contact him at readyman45 at gmail.com. And remembering Artie Robillard. If Artie called you a friend, you were a lucky person indeed. Thank you. 1897. It is the age of ingenuity. Years of progress have resulted in the creation of massive flying machines that defy the heavens themselves and travel the cosmos. The starship Darak is one such craft. It is commanded by the mighty Admiral King. Her mission? To explore the stars with an unprecedented 5,000 passengers aboard. Selected for their wealth, skills, and courage, they were the best that Earth had to offer. But there was one passenger who offered up something greater than the rest. Serenal de Bergerac in space. The scene opens on the Dirac's observation deck as it orbits the aquatic planet known as Oragora. The observation deck had become a prime location for parties and exhibitions, but on this day, a much-anticipated theatrical event was to take place. The half-dome hall was elegantly decorated with a sweeping copper vine, extending upwards towards the large seashell-configured opera boxes, the spaces reserved for those with more credits than their counterparts below in the orchestra seating. The stage was situated in the front of a glass half-dome, thus allowing the water planet to provide scenery and the vastness of space a dramatic backdrop. Away from the stage and towards the entrance doors, a copper-frame marquee reads, La Dame aux Camélias, starring Montefleury. A tired-looking usher leans against the large bronze-paneled entrance doors. He twirls his pocket watch around his red waistcoat, impatiently waiting for the patrons to arrive, that he may count their tickets. With a sudden slam, the doors burst open as two men barrel through. Yep, what ho? I'll need credits from both. I enter free. Why? Why? I am of Admiral King's Star Pilots, you blind Indeed. And your friend? I pay nothing. How so? I'm a guard. The play will not begin till two. The deck is empty. Come exhibited the new advancements of your Galaxium Blade Fiend. The fencing continues as more patrons enter the hall. 
Burgundy. The friendly combatants tickle their firework blades as the gathering crowd chatters and gossips amid the flashing Galaxium display. Of all the trash on the deck. Oh, ma'am, such a suspicion. We must have picked him up back at Planet Jalil. Trash. Trash people. Trash planet. <laughs> sit away from him, son. Let us sit here. Have you the gravity stick? We can angle for hats up in the boxes. <laughs> Faith, a man might think he had fallen in a bad quarters here. But it was drunkers, brawlers, gamblers. By all the holies. And this, my boy, is the theater where they played Voltaire not too long ago. I and Hernani. What piece do they give us, father? La Dame aux Camellias. Who may the author be? Dumas. It is a play. Make places, patrons. Make room for the workers of the engine room. By the stars, Belarose. Below Deckers. In the orchestra? Oh, only for a minute or two more. Only way I can make money as a theater producer on this stinking space exploration. Oh, this off. Quigley, Brossabon. True to our word, we came before Orgor's sun was in view. See, for your consolation, the light will shine now. Cadets ah. Quigley and Brossabon. Admire the small star of Oregon as it makes its entrance from the dark side of the planet. This cosmic phenomenon emits a burgundy light that gradually envelops the entire hall. As its claret glow reaches the hall doors, a distinguished geriatric poet enters. This is Linier, who drunkenly stumbles into the theater. He is guided arm in arm by one Christian de Nouviette. The young, handsome Christian is well dressed but decidedly behind in current fashion trends. He seems preoccupied and keeps glancing at the opera boxes. Linier, <laughs> you old sonnet tot. <laughs> now, Christian, I may introduce you. <laughs> Christian de Nouvellet. Delighted. It seems we have a pretty boy in the cadets, Quigley. He's a pretty fellow, <laughs> as if his hair was combed with stardust. My friends, Quigley and Brasserborn. Oi, look at this boy. He is not ill to look at, uh, but you're not fashioning the latest style. Tut, tut, tut. This gentleman comes from Jalil. After one look at the Admiral King, he applied for the space cadets right away. Yes, I have scarce been 20 days on Spaceship Durak. Tomorrow I fly with the cadets. <gasps> look who enters my theater. There is the wife of the chief teleporting Merge base Nas specialist. Milk, sponge pastry, fizzy cola. Merge Nas milk, sponge pastry, fizzy cola. Tis crowded. Lemon zolita. Merge Nas milk, sponge pastry. Christian, my friend, I but came here to give you pleasure. Your lady comes not. I will be take me again to my separate ship. No, no. You who are right ballast to the stars alike can tell me better than any who the lady is for whom I die of love. Stay yet a while. Ah, I fear me she is coquettish and overnice and fastidious. I, who am so poor of wit, how dare I speak to her? How address her? This language that they speak today, I and write, confounds me. I am but an honest cadet and timid withal. She is ever her place there on the right. The empty box, see you? I must go. 
Nay, stay. I cannot. My companion RJ4 waits for me. I am to return home to the moon of the Nesselport, and here one dies of thirst. Lemons a little? Ugh. Mertzna's milk? Ah. I have Budweiser? <sighs> um, stay. <laughs> I will remain a while. Uh, let me taste your American beer. Liniere sits passively. Through hazed eyes, he recognizes his old automated friend, Rag N.O. Oh, tis the famous baker Rag N.O. Sir, have you seen Cyrano? She wears an apron covered with flour over her copper mainframe. The placement of her metal eyebrows seems to suggest worry. She scuttles forward with a clang of her internal gears. The pastry cook of actors and the poets. You do me too great honor. Nay, hold your peace, friend of thespians that you are. True. These gentlemen employ me. On credit, she is herself a poet of pretty talent. So they tell me. Mad after poetry. Tis true that, for a little ode... You give a tart. Oh, a tartlet. Oh, brave android. She would fain excuse herself, and for a toilet now. Uh, did you not give an exchange... Some little rolls? They were milk rolls. And as for the theater which you love... To distraction. How pay you your tickets, huh? <laughs> With cakes. Your place tonight, come tell me in my ear. What did it cost you? Four clusters and fifteen cream pufflets. Cyrano is not here. Too strange. Why so? Montflurry plays. Ah, it is true that that old wine barrel is to take Jindrake's part tonight. But what matter is that to Cyrano? How? Know you not? He has got a hot hate for Montflurry, and so has forbid them strictly to now show their face on the stage for one whole month. Uh, well? Montflurry will play! He cannot hinder that. Oh, oh, that I have come to see. Who is Cyrano? A fellow inspired by space travel. Has mastered many skills since he became a passenger. Hmm. Has he wallet? Sure, it's full enough. He's a cadet for the Admiral. But oh, tis his friend Lebray, yonder who can tell you best. Lebray, have you seen de Bergerac? At the mention of his name, a man dressed in a humble long coat and high-waisted trousers approaches Quigley. He exudes confidence, his movements deliberate, his eyes are piercing. Lubray enters the conversation, looking a mixture of concern and worry. I... I am uneasy. Is it not true that he is the strongest of men? True. That he is the choicest of cosmic beings. Poet. Fighter. Philosopher. Musician. And of how fantastic a presence. Mary, twould puzzle even the spotted painter Monet to portray him. Methinks, whimsical, wild, comical as he is, only Damier, now dead and gone, could have succeeded better and had made of him the maddest fighter of all his crew. With his family blade passed down from generations of Bergerocs, a proud reminder of culture and heritage, the sword point sticking up neath his mantle like an insolent cocktail. 
He's proud of all the fierce star carriers floating about the galaxies. He carries a nose. Oh, good, my friends, what a nose is his. When one sees it, one is tempted to cry aloud. Oh, it's too much. He plays a joke on us. Then one laughs and says, he will shortly come off. But no, Cyrano always keeps it on. <laughs> he keeps it on and cleaves into any man who dares remark on it. His sword, tis one half of the fates, cheers. Eh, he will not come. I say he will, and I wage a roast, cooked by me. Promise. <laughs> Good. Just then, a stunning young woman appears in the boxes above, and gracefully takes her seat. She wears a shimmering Dazillion white dress, with a large brimmed hat masking her face only slightly. Christiane, who is paying for concessions, does not see her entrance. Ah, gentlemen, Roxanne, she is fearfully, terribly ravishing. When one looks at her, one thinks of a peach smiling at a strawberry. And what freshness! A man approaching her too near might chance to get a bad chill at the heart. Creepy. Roxanne, tis she. Ah, is it she? Aye, tell me quick, I am afraid. Ah, Magdalene Robin, Roxanne so-called. Has she family? Uh, Did, oh, they're part of the stardust now, an orphan. Her father practically raised Cyrano, of whom we were now speaking. Since her father's death, Cyrano has kept a clenched hand on his sword when people approach her. An elegant man with a blue metal ribbon across his breast enters the box with an air of regal intimidation. He is standing above Roxanne and he speaks with her. He is tall, thin, and sports speckled gray hair and a mustache. Who is that man? <laughs> Commander de Guiche, enamored of her but wedded to the niece of Lieutenant Richards would fain marry Roxanne to a certain sorry fellow, one, um, Valvere. Oh, she will none of that bargain, but de Guiche is powerful and can persuade the daughter of a dead cosmic gentleman. More by token, I myself have exposed this cunning plan of his to the world in a song which, oh, he must rage at me. The end hit home. Listen. <sighs> there was once a commander- No, good night. Oh. Oh, well, where go you? To Valver. Oh, have a care. It is he who will kill you. Stay where you are. She is looking at you. It is true. Our eyes meet. Tis I who am going. I am a thirst, and RJ4 expects me at the bars of Nesselport. <laughs> Liniere bumps into the large doors as he exits the hall. He is reeling in his drunkenness towards the starship's large docking bay. After trying in vain to find his dear friend Cyrano, Lubre approaches Ragano, who, after noticing the flower on herself, has started cleaning procedures. No sign of Cyrano. All the same. A hope is left to me that he has not seen the playbill. After being shamed by Ragano for ogling Roxanne, Belarose's attention moves to De Guiche, who is basking in the wine-red light of the Oregorian star. Valver is standing beside the silver-haired commander and fidgeting with his new communicator. Belarose smiles and slithers towards the upper crust. Ah, Oregora, we've docked near a fine planet thanks to our commander de Guiche. What a fine ribbon, too. How did one receive it, sir? 
Saving or helping? Nay, annihilation. Faith, the color speaks truth, for thanks to your valor, the battalion of the Pagnon to lie in ruin. Enough. I appreciate your silence. I go to my seat. Come, Valver. I see him. Fight me, Valver. Let me grab from my pocket. Hey, you! Oh. What are you doing in my pockets? It appears I have been found. I was looking for my communicator glove. <laughs> and you find a hand. Let me go, and I will deliver you a secret. What is it? Liniere, the man who has just left you. Well? His life is in peril. A song penned by him has given offense in high places. And a hundred ships are to follow and destroy him tonight. Hundred ships? By whom posted? I may not say. A secret. Oh? Of the profession. Where do they fly? Near Akarok and its moon, the Nestleport. They intend to ambush him on his way homeward. Fly to him. Good. I fly. Ah, the scoundrels. A hundred aeronaut against one. Ah, oh, to leave Roxanne and Valver. But save Liniere I must. I leap to my ship. Began the play already! The Oracle's son is visible as can be! We shan't wait any- <laughs> My toupee! He's bald! Bravo, boy! <laughs> we have his hair by a thread! Watch it dance in the sunlight! <laughs> Young villains! My- Hush! Is, is it she? What means this sudden silence? Must be Admiral King! Is it true? The Admiral! The Admiral! Aye, I say. No. In the box, with the bars in front. Can't be. Admiral King is here. The devil. We shall have to behave ourselves. By the Admiral, we commence. For her enjoyment, we present La Dame of Camellia, starring the wonderful Tiarg Montfleury, Oregora herself, smiles toward at the acclaimed thespian. Montfleury comes in the scene. Cyrano is not here. I have lost my wager. Tis all the better. Bravo, Montfleury! A stunning entrance, Montfleury! Fireworks, a nice touch. Thank you, thank you. I begin, but first, I bow. Quelqu'un a sonné, Nanine. Valentine va ouvrir la porte. C'est sans doute Marguerite. Pas encore, il est dix heures. Philip, did I not forbid you to perform for months? Hey, what, what, what is it? Tis he. Cyrano. King of clowns, leave the stage this instant. Oh, oh but, but, uh, I am the most beloved Do actor. you dare defy me? Peace, enough. Play on, Montfleury. Fear nothing. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> C'est sans doute Marguerite. Pas encore, il est... Well, 
chief of all the scrap heaps, must I come and give you a taste of my cane? C'est sans doute Marguerite. Pas Off the stage! C'est sans doute Marguerite. Il est teaser. Ah, I shall be angry in a minute! Cyrano de Bergerac jumps from his seat in the balcony and lands a foot from the stage in front of the terrified Montfleury. The red light from the cosmic vista drapes his figure elegantly as he aggressively rolls up the sleeves of his worn overcoat. He cocks his wide-brimmed, rancher-style hat downward, exhibiting an impressive plume sewn into its side. Under his hat, twitching relentlessly, is his shockingly long proboscis. Please, come to my help, my friends. Uh, go on, go on. That is, take warning. If you go on, I shall feel myself constrained to cuff your face. Oh, have done. And if these creatures hold not their tongue, shall feel constrained to make them taste my silver. Enough, uh, Montfleury. Out they go! Yet, uh, but... Uh... Are they not gone yet? Good. I shall mount the stage now, buffet-style, to carve this fine Oragora sausage. Thus, you outrage all of Oragora in insulting me. If that planet's behind you, whose people know you not at all, could claim acquaintance with you, oh, believe, seeing how urn-like, fat, and slow you are, that they would make you taste their leather trotters. I, uh... Oh. Oh. Montfleury, Montfleury, come. Play. I pray you have a care. If you go on, my scabbard soon will render up its blade. Take care. Leave the stage, Montfleury. Oh, what nonsense. Did someone speak? Monsieur de Serrano, cut Montfleury like Pelias, a fig for tyrants. What ho? Come, play us la dame. Let me but hear once more that foolish rhyme. I slaughter every man of you. Oh, dear lord. Yes, the lord. Would you like to meet him, sir? Scandalous. Tis most Silence. <laughs> I order. I order silence all. And challenge the whole starship collectively. I write your names. Approach young heroes here. Each in his turn. I cry the numbers out. Now, which of you will come to open the lists? You, sir? No. You? No! The first duelist shall be dispatched by me with honors due. Let all who long a cold burial amongst the stars hold up their hands. <coughs> Modest? You fear to see my naked blade? Not one name? Not one hand? <coughs> Good, I proceed. The theater's too full, congested. I would clear it out. If not, my sword must act. Well, I guess I, I will should. clap my hands thrice. Thus, full moon. At the third clap, eclipse yourself. Well, I... What? I think, uh, gentlemen... Montfleury, Dumas play. I think, gentlemen... Two... I think twere wisest. Three. In a flash of light, Montfleury suddenly disappears. Come back only if you dare. In a puff of firework, the fat actor has yielded to Cyrano. Relaxing only the slightest, Cyrano turns to his audience, 
a smirk of satisfaction on his face. Call for order. Ah, here's Belarus. My noble Starfleet. Perhaps a word from our beloved comedian, uh, Jangoon? By the Admiral Cease. Ah, bravo, good. Go on. No, bravos, sirs. The fat Montflari, who you all love felt, Coward. was obligated to go, but pray to Bergerac, for what reason say hate you, Montflari? Grave comedian, no, I have two reasons. Either will suffice. Firstly, Montflory, a villainous actor who mouths and heaves up like a bucket from a well the verses that should bird-like fly. Secondly, that is my secret. Shameful! You deprive us of Dumas' play! I must insist. You old merchnaz. Even if old Alex had talent vast as the galaxies, his script's only use would still be for cleaning one's doom ass. I'm glad to interrupt. Oh, we must give back the entrance fees. You make the first intelligent remark. Would I rend Orion's sacred belt? Nay, catch them the credits I throw and hold your peace. Why, sir? There's enough credits in here to feed a battalion. Nay, at this price you've authority to come each night and stop La Dame or Camellia, sir. Clear out the hall. Get you all gone at once. Cyrano, uh, while I be but a humble usher, I love the actor Montfleury. Tis shameful. Why, they are even loved on Jalil. Have you friends in upper ranks? No. No one? None. Uh, no, uh, great commander to shield you with his- No, name. I have told you twice. Must I repeat? No, no protector. A protectress. My blade. What if you venture into space alone? You have no worry of enemies? Well, that depends. Well. Some officers have a long arm in these systems. But not so long as mine, when it's lengthened out. As thus, my family legacy. Cyrano extends his sword within a hair's breadth of the man's throat. Oh. It is unlike any sword the passengers on the starship had seen before. Cyrano's blade is a relic of old, passed down parent to progeny for generations. This is Serenal's Sword of the Ancestors. Uh, You think not to contend. Tis my idea. But uh, I am not- Show your heels, now. But I am just- Or tell me why you stare so at my nose. But, uh, Well, what is there strange? My friend mistakes. How now, pal? Is soft and dangling? Like a trunk? I, I, I never- Is it crooked like a Blarkberg's beak? Well, I- I- I Do you see a wart upon the tip? Nay, not at all, sir. No. Or a bug that takes the air there? What? What is there to stare at? Oh. What do you see? But I was so careful not to look. And why not look at it? And if you please. I was, uh, well, I was, um... Oh, it disgusts you. Sir. It's hue unwholesome seems to you. Sir. Or it's shape. No, 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 on the contrary. Why then that air disparaging? Perchance you think it large. 
No, no, small, quite small, uh, minute. Minute. What now? Accuse me of a thing ridiculous. Small? My nose! Oh, Admiral, help me! Tis enormous! Old flathead, empty-headed ticket keep! Know that I am proud possessing such a snarls rocket! Tis well known a big nose is indicative of a soul affable and kind and courteous, liberal, brave, just like myself, and such, as you can never dare to dream yourself, rascal contemptible! For that witless face that my hand soon will come to cuff is all as empty Help! of pride, of aspiration, of feeling, poetry, of godlike spark! Of all that appertains to my big nose, as what my boot will shortly come and kick! Oh, help! Help! Call the security droids! Take notice, boobies all, who find my visage's center ornament a thing to jest at, that it is my wont. And if the jokester's noble, ere we part to let him taste my steel and not my boot. But he becomes a nuisance, Valver. Swaggerer. Will no one put him down? No one. But wait. I'll treat him to one of my quips. See here! Sir, your nose is... Hmm. It is very big. Very. Ha! Ha! Is that all? What do you mean? Ah, oh, no. Young Gigot. That was a trifle short. You might have said at least a hundred things by varying the tone. Like this, suppose. Aggressive. Sir, if I had such a nose, I'd amputate it. Friendly. When you eat, it must annoy you dipping in your meat. You need an eating bowl of special shape. Descriptive. Tis a rock, a peak, a cape, a cape forsooth. Tis a peninsula. Curious. How serves that oblong capsula? For scissor sheath or cup to hold your drink? Gracious. You love the little birds, I think. I see you've managed with a fond research to find their tiny claws a roomy perch. Truculent. When you smoke your pipe, suppose that the tobacco smoke spouts from your nose. Do not the passengers as the fumes rise higher? Cry terror-struck, the starship is afire! Considerate. Take care, your head bowed low by such a weight, lest or head or heels you go. Cavalier. The last fashion friend, that hook? To hang your hat on? Tis a useful crook. Empathetic. No wind, O oh majestic nose, can give thee cold, save when the siren blows. Dramatic. When it bleeds, whatever it see. Admiring. Sign for a perfumery. Rustic. That thing, a nose. Mary, come up. Tis a dwarf pumpkin or a prize turnip. Military. Pointed against enemy ships. Practical. Put it in a lottery. Assuredly, twould be the biggest prize. Simple. When is the monument on view? Such, my dear sir, is what you might have said, had you of wit or letters the least jot, but oh, most lamentable man, of wit you never had an atom, and of letters you have three letters only. They spell ass. C come away, Valver. Here is arrogance, a lowly cadet with no medals or communicator glove. True. All my elegances are within. I do not prank myself out, puppy-like. My toilet is more thorough, if less gay. I would not sally forth, a half-washed-out affront upon my cheek, a conscious, yellow-eyed bilious from its sudden sleep, a ruffled honor, scruples grimed and dull. I show no bravery of shining gems. Truth, independence are my fluttering plumes. Tis not my form I lace to make me slim, but brace my soul with efforts as with stays, 
covered with exploits, not with medals. My spirit bristling high like your mustaches, I traverse into crowds and chattering groups, make truth ring bravely out like clash of cogs. But, sir- I wear no gloves? And what of that? I had one. Remnant of an old worn pair, and, knowing not what else to do with it, I threw it in the face of some young fool. Complete loser, rascally flat-footed idiot. Ah, how do you do? And I, Cyrano Hercule de Bergerac. <laughs> Buffooned. Yes, I know you already introduced. <gasps> ah! What in the stars is he doing now? It must be moved. It's getting stiff, I vow. This comes of leaving it in idleness. Oh. What ails you? Cramp! Cramp in my sword. I'll kill you! Good. You shall feel a charming little stroke. Pompous poet. Aye, poet, sir. In proof of which, while we fence, presto, all extempore, I will compose a ballad. A ballad? Do you not know what a ballad is? What? Know then that the ballad should contain three eight-verse couplets. I know what a ballad is. And an envoy of four Shut lines. Shut up. I'll make one while we fight, and touch you at the final line. You? Never. Never? The duel docked at Oragora fought by de Bergerac and a good for naught. What the hell is that? The title. Give room! Good sport! Uh, gentlemen, please don't slash the dome or else we'll all be space bobbers. Wait while I choose my rhymes. Oh, I have them now. I gaily doff my hat down low. <coughs> And feeling hand and heel, my heavy mantle off I throw, I draw my polished steel. Graceful as Phoebus, around I wheel, alert to Scaramouche, a word in your ear, so spark I steal, at the envoy's end, I catch. Better for you, head lane low, where skewer my piece, in the heel, in the heart, your ribbon blue below, in the hip, and make you kneel. Oh, for the music of clashing steel! What now? A hit? Not much. Twill be in the punch, the stroke, I steal. When, at the envoy's end, I touch. Oh, for a rhyme? A rhyme and oh? You wriggle starch white my eel? A rhyme, a rhyme, the white feather you show! Tack, I parry the point of your steel. The point you hoped to make me feel. I open the line. Now clutch. Oh, you spit. Sir Scullion, slow your zeal. At the envoy's end, I touch. Envoy. Envoy. Prince, pray heaven for your soul's wheel. I move. A pace. Low such and such. Cut over. Fate. What ho, you real? At the envoy's end, I touch! Bring me to my quarters. Let me compliments grovel unsurpassed. Cyrano, a word with you? Wait, let the rabble go. May I stay? Without doubt. Doman Flanquen? Sweep, close all, but leave the marks on. Come, Jangun, we exit after the crowd. <clears throat> Oragora macaroons? Is he cola? No. Because? 
Because I have no money. How? The bag of credits. Galactic wages for a month. All spent. How will you live the next month? I have nothing left. Folly. But what a graceful action. Think. <clears throat> Sir, my heart mislikes to know you starve. See all you need. Serve yourself. Gentle child, although my Gaskin pride would else forbid to take the least bestowal from your hands, my fear of wounding you outweighs that pride, and bids accept a wee bit these few stolen fruits. Nay, but this this bunch. A glass of water, fair. And, and half a big cookie. Ugh, what foolery. Would you take anything else? I take your hand to kiss. <laughs> Thank you, kind sir. Good night. Now talk, I listen. Uh, dinner! Mmm. <laughs> ah. Oh, I was hungry, friend. May. Ravenous. You said? These passengers would be belligerent. Well, if you heed them only, turn your head. Ask people of good sense if you would know the effects of your fine insolence. Enormous! The Admiral? Well, the Admiral was there? But... <laughs> Fantastic. You make too many enemies, by far. How many think I've made tonight? Forty, no less, not counting planet hoppers. Count. Montflurry first. The officers, then De Guiche, Favre, Dumont, perhaps the entire planet of Oragora, mind you. <laughs> oh, enough. I am overjoyed. But these strange ways, where will they lead you? At the end, explain. Your system, come. I, in a labyrinth, was lost. Too many different paths to choose. I took... Which? Oh, by far the simplest path. Decided to be admirable in all. So be it. But the motive of your hate to Montflurry, come, tell me. This abominable, big-bellied course still deems themselves a peril. A danger to the love of lovelies, and while they sputters out their actor's part, makes sheep's eyes at their boxes. Goggling frog. I hate them since the evening they presumed to raise their eyes to hers. I saw a gargantuan slug crawl slavering over an earth flower's petals. How now? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Can it be? <laughs> that I should love? I love. And may I know you never said? Come now, but thank you. The fond hope to be beloved, even by some poor graceless lady, is, by this nose of mine, far too unattainable. This lengthy nose which, go wherever I will, pokes yet a quarter mile ahead of me. But I may love, and who? Tis fate's decree I love the fairest. How will I otherwise? The fairest? Aye, the fairest in the galaxy. Most brilliant, most refined, most golden-haired. Who is this lady? She's a danger mortal, all unsuspicious, full of charms unconscious, like a sweet-perfumed rose, a snare of nature, within whose petals Cupid lurks in ambush. He who has seen her smile has known perfection, instilling into trifles Grace's essence, divinity in every careless gesture. Not Venus herself can mount her conch-blown seaward. Her beauty soars toward the celestial lights, even. Her grace floats across the woods spring-flowered. Light as my lady o'er the walkways of Starship Dura. All is clear. As spider webs. You love 
Roxanne. Oh, Roxanne. Well, but so much the better. Tell her so. She saw your triumph here this very night. Look well at me. Then tell me with what hope this vile protuberance can inspire my heart. I do not lull me with illusions. Yet at times I'm weak. In evening hours dim, I enter some fair pleasance, perfumed sweet. With my poor ugly devil of a nose, I scent spring's essence. In the silver rays, I see some knight, a lady on his arm, and think, to saunter thus in the bays, I were fain to have my lady too beside. Thought soars to ecstasy, O sudden fall, the shadow of my profile on the wall. My friend. My friend, at times tis hard, tis bitter, to feel my loneliness, my own ill favor. You weep? No, never! Think how vilely suited a down this nose a tear its passage tracing. I never will. While of myself I'm master, let the divinity of tears their beauty be wedded to such common ugly grossness. Nothing more solemn than a tear, sublimer. And I would not by weeping turn to laughter the grave emotion that a tear engenders. Never be sad. What's love? A chance of fortune? Uh, look I to Caesar to woo a Cleopatra. A Tito to aspire to Berenice. Your courage and your wit! The girl who offered you refreshment, even now, her eyes did not abhor you. You saw well. True. Well, how then? I saw Roxanne herself was death pale as she watched the duel. Pale? Her heart, her fancy are already caught. That she may mock my face? That is the one thing on this earth I fear. Sir? Someone asks for you. God. Duana, her confidant approaches. I was bid ask you where a certain lady could see her father's apprentice, but in secret. See me? Aye, sir. She has somewhat to tell. Somewhat? Aye. Private matters. Oh my god! Tomorrow, early, after, uh, what place for a few minutes speech? Where? Uh, uh but, oh my god. Say! On the refreshment deck, the, the kitchen of Ragano, the, the pastry android. Good. Be you there at 700. Without fail. Thank you, 700. A rendezvous. From her. You're sad no more. Ah, uh, let this ship burn. She knows I live. Now you'll be calm, I hope. Calm? I now calm? I'll be frenetic, frantic, raving mad. Oh, for a battalion to attack. A host. I've ten hearts in my breast. A score of arms. No dwarves to cleave in twain. No. Giants now. We go. Cyrano exits the empty observation deck. The son of Oragora is completely in view and is lighting the theater magnificently. Outside the door, several people have gathered around Quigley, who is holding a communicator glove from which a muffled transmission is heard. Cyrano! Well, what now? Danger abound! Lignier is coming through our transmitters. Lignier? What has chanced? He seeks your help. He dare not go home. Why not? <laughs> Revenge that threatens me! That song, you know? My whole moon, the Nestle Court, to get to my own house. I must pass there. Cannot! I pray I'm not sleeping with the stars tonight! A hundred ships? You'll sleep in your own bed. What? Quigley, I'll take your ship. Let us start. I swear that I will make Liniere's bed tonight myself. Follow some as witnesses. A hundred? Less. 
tonight would be too few. But why embroil yourself? Lubre who scolds. That worthless drunkard? Why a hundred ships against one poor rhymer? Fly, gentlemen, when you shall see me fly, bear me no succor, none, whatever the odds. Oh, I shall come and see. Come then. And you? Come all, the doctors, transports, and droids. Come, for you shall add in a motley swarm the common farce to this cosmic drama. Bravo, a mental, quick, my hood. Come on. Play us a march on your communicator quickly. I all alone at the controls, beneath the plume that glory lends herself to deck my proud hat, proud as Napoleon. You hear me? I forbid you to help me. Come you to your ship. One, two, three. Bellarose, open wide the doors. Ah, the empty peacefulness of space. The nebula, the sun streams o'er the blue-shadowed planets of this system. A lovely frame for this wild battle scene. Beneath the vapor's floating scarves, the allies trembles, mysterious like a magic mirror. And shortly, you shall see what you shall see. To the Nesselport! Aye, to the Nesselport. Did you not ask for what cause against this Rhymer five-score vessels were sent? Twas that they knew him for a friend of mine. Cyrano is the only soul on his ship. He launches towards Linier, who is in grave peril. The crew and passengers dare not intervene. They follow at a distance on a small carrier vessel. The ships then light jump into a dazzling wormhole, and they find themselves confronted by a great armada of ships that are bearing down upon the hapless Linier. Cyrano wastes no time, as he mans both the ion cannons and the helm simultaneously. He smirks and charges forward, attacking the enemy ships, alone. And that's the end of the episode, which means it's time for me to shout out our incredible Cyrano sponsors, starting with the Icon Group, Jonathan Safford, Studio Dubois Incorporated, and Remembering Artie Robillard. If you'd like to support the show and Swamp Meadow Community Theater, you can become a Cyrano sponsor, just like the wonderful people I just mentioned, by going to swampmeadow.org and clicking on the big Become a Sponsor button. There, we have many tiers to choose from, and not only will you be supporting us, you'll be able to get your name or business in the opening or end credits. This episode of Cyrano de Bergerac in Space featured Andy Affleck as De Guiche, Liniere, and Deckhands, Audrey Dubois as Flanquine, Pickpocket, and Montfleury, Drake Lowe as Lebray, Valver and Young Man, Jim Kenny as narrator and various ensemble roles. You can find Jim as an actor, director, and producer at the Norwich Arts Center in Connecticut. They're looking to book theatrical new work when we get back to normal. Jonathan F. Safford as Christian and the Burger, Maya Mallow as Quigley, Concessions Girl and Jangoon, Marin Flynn as Bellarose, Trooper One and Duenna, Shannon McLeod as Ragano, Trooper One and Champagne, Tyler H. Vigent as Brasserborn, and Caleb McPhee as Cyrano de Bergerac. This show was edited, directed, and produced by me, Tyler H. Vigent. Additional editing and sound and music design by Andy Affleck. Say au revoir, but not goodbye, originally composed by Harry Kennedy. Special thanks to Eric Dubois for setting up our sponsors page. Thank you all so much. Our next episode comes at you May 3rd. Fly on, cadets!